Well, Mad Dog Russo and I have one thing in common. We're both hosting our shows today despite having ridiculously annoying voices. The differences are my voice will theoretically get better when I'm not sick anymore, and I didn't promise to retire if the D-backs won the NLCS. So, you know, uh, we'll talk about uh, – we're not going to talk much about Mad Dog. We'll talk about David Peralta found out that he played the last half of the season with an injury for the Dodgers. Did the Dodgers know about it? How Did, did they know how bad it was? A lot of questions there because he was not good during the time he was hurt. We'll talk about a little bit about the World Series and former Dodgers who will be playing in the World Series, and we'll dig into some potential free agents, Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, and a handful of others. And that's what's on tap, so let's get locked on Dodgers. You are locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My co-host is Vince Samperio. We're doing a split episode again today. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. There was actually a little bit of Dodgers news. I guess it's Dodgers news. Uh, the person in question isn't technically a free agent yet because free agency doesn't start till uh, after the World Series ends. But theoretically david peralta probably isn't going to play for the dodgers anymore but we found out on wednesday that peralta had elbow surgery repairing a flexor tendon in his elbow uh from an injury sustained around the all-star break and uh knowing that he was hurt some things make a little bit more sense now like the fact that he was really bad at baseball the last half of the season uh at the all-star break peralta was batting 283 uh, 323 on base percentage, 434 slugging percentage. That's a 757 uh, OPS, which isn't amazing, but it was it was solid. Uh, 757 better than average. Uh, it's from what we expected from Peralta. We we were pretty darn happy with what we were getting from Peralta at that point. From the All Star break to the end of the season, he bad 231, 259 on base percentage, 319 slugging percentage. That's a 578 OPS. That's really really bad. He hit zero home runs after the All Star break. We didn't expect him to be a, a big home run hitter, but he had seven at the all-star break. You know, you would expect he'd end up with 10 or 12. He ended up with seven. Uh, and, and so it was kind of weird. Uh, and now it's less weird knowing that he was hurt. The question becomes, how aware were the Dodgers of the injury? And, and you know, uh, there there were some people, uh, my buddy Clint over at Dodgers Nation was, was a little bit upset because uh, Andrew Friedman, at their end of season press conference said that no Dodger players were having any surgeries. And technically that's true because David Peralta is not a Dodger player anymore. Uh, he, his time with the Dodgers is done. Um, but uh, it seems like maybe he didn't want to answer the question of why was Peralta on the postseason roster and starting postseason games if he was hurt. And if it was so obvious he was hurt because like, it it really didn't even cross my mind that Peralta might be hurt because, of course, they're not going to keep playing him when he's playing this poorly 
if he's hurt. Uh, so I was holding out hope. Well, maybe he's going to break out of it, you know, and, and he didn't. Um, but you know, how bad was the injury? Is that the reason he was bad? Did the Dodgers know about it? All of those questions are, are pretty fair questions at this point. And, uh, I wonder how much information we're going to get in the coming days because it is, you know, obviously David Peralta is not the reason the Dodgers lost the NLDS. Um, in fact, Peralta hit better than some of the guys who were in the lineup. Um, and the alternatives are Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor, who both, you know, have had big postseason moments for the Dodgers in the past, could have done it again, you know, but don't know if they would have. And the fact is, the whole lineup was lousy. The starting pitching was lousy. Uh, and so David Peralta isn't the reason they lost the, the series. But it is a little bit frustrating to see that he played injured when there were other options, especially if it was that long. What was Michael Bush doing back in the minor leagues? And, and you know, the fact is David Peralta was a gold glove finalist. He was, we talked about this last week, he was surprisingly good, better than the eye test would have suggested better than we've come to expect from him in the past few years. He was pretty good defensively. Michael Bush probably wouldn't have been that good defensively in left field. Um, but with how well Michael Bush hit in AAA, it's almost impossible to think that he wouldn't have hit better than Peralta did in the big leagues uh, and and given them a better shot. Like Bush, I know Bush is kind of a, a more complicated subject because he doesn't really have a position. He was a first baseman in college. They moved into second base in the minor leagues. He's played solid second base. They've moved into third base to try to get him some reps there. Maybe Bush is the third baseman of the future for the Dodgers. Maybe he's not. He's played some left field. Um, but he is kind of like, uh, you know, the old, uh, I can never remember who this story was about. Uh, I think it was Dustin Pedroia, maybe. No. I, anyway, somebody, when he went to college, and they were introducing themselves. Said the coach said, "Say your name and what position you play," uh, and uh, and he said, "I'm whoever," and I bat third. That was his position. Uh, Matt Beatty told us when he was on our podcast that his favorite position is the left-handed batter's box, and uh, you know that's that's kind of Michael Bush, um, but we could have used that in the left-handed batter's box uh, instead of what Peralta gave the team. And now knowing that he was hurt, you have to assume that the Dodgers knew he was hurt. Uh, it's hard to picture them not knowing that he was hurt. And so all in all, knowing that he had this surgery raises a lot of questions that, you know, I assume some of the, the media will will try to get answers from Andrew Friedman and or Dave Roberts about this. I don't know how forthcoming those answers will be. And uh, got a little grief from from a listener on Twitter for being hard on Mad Dog Russo yesterday. And uh, this listener said that uh, the LA media is too soft on the Dodgers co coaches in front office and need a East coast type, like bad dog uh, to, to rip into them. And, and my point was, I don't have an issue with mad dogs, East coast type or whatever. I have an issue with his terrible voice and the stupid things he says. Uh, but you know what? Maybe we do need somebody to ask the hard questions here uh, because it seems, and I say seems because I don't know all the information. I know what I've seen on social media, but from what I've seen, it feels, it seems inexcusable to have Peralta starting postseason games when he was hurt so bad, he sucked for two and a half months be, leading up to the postseason. And, uh, you know, 
his defense defense wasn't that good that it deserved for him to be like Chris Taylor was at least as good as a left fielder and you know uh probably would have hit better so I'm interested to see if we get any answers on that right now it's more questions than answers uh, I'm going to come back in a minute I'm going to talk about some old friends of the Dodgers who will be playing in this World Series and then I'm going to turn it over to Vince uh we put out a call for questions he's going to talk about some agents you know and you know what I don't know exactly what Vince is going to talk about we can all be surprised together when we listen but I will be back to talk about the World Series and some old Dodgers who will be in that World Series so thanks for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen and please keep it Locked on Dodgers this episode is brought to you by Ibotta how does free Thanksgiving sound This year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete because who wants turkey without the gravy? Starting November 1st for the funeral, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app now and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. Hey, I'm back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Especially want to thank our everydayers who are with us every weekday morning. If you're not an everydayer, it's easy to become one. Just watch or listen every day. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We love talking Dodgers with you. We'll be here all offseason. Uh, lots to talk about this offseason between free agency and awards and all sorts of things. So we will be talking Dodgers with you. And obviously without games to talk about, we are open to your suggestions. So feel free to hit us up with anything you would like for us to talk about. Uh, also want to remind you, you can catch every World Series game on SiriusXM and the SXM app. Just launch the app and search for World Series. You can also listen to this podcast on the SXM app by searching for Locked On Dodgers. And uh, one last thing, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. If you are listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through social media or email or whatever. Vince will give you all that contact info at the end of the episode, like he always does. Uh, All right, so the World Series, it's the D-backs and the Rangers. As our our listener, uh, who was it? well, I can't find it. Killa B at Killa B10 on Twitter pointed out this is the first World Series in MLB history where uh, both teams play in a domed stadium. Obviously, the 2020 World Series took place entirely in a domed stadium uh, because it was at a neutral site. But this one, the Rangers and the D backs both play with retractable roofs. And so, doesn't mean that every game will be uh, enclosed, but it does mean we won't have any rain delays like we did in what was it, 2009 between the Yankees and and the Phillies. I remember the players wearing those hats with the earmuffs built in. It was terrible weather. Uh, If you can imagine terrible weather in New York and Philadelphia in late October, early November. Uh, But we won't have to deal with that for this World Series. That's fun. Uh, There will be several former Dodgers playing in this World Series. Uh, And I'm going to talk about all of them briefly. 
I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's anybody on the D-backs who has ever played a major league game for the Dodgers. The closest they come, uh, they had um, the guy they released, Nick Ahmed, uh, until midway through the season when they released him, and his brother played in the minors for the Dodgers. Uh, and then beyond that, a little bit closer, they have two pitchers. Um, you have... Uh, well, I can't remember Tyler Gilbert, who isn't, uh, hasn't been on the postseason roster. I don't know if he's hurt. He didn't pitch for the D backs after mid August, uh, this year, he came up through the Dodgers minor league system, went to, uh, the Dodgers traded him in the Kyle garlic trade. Maybe, uh, let's see Tyler Gilbert. Yeah. Traded. Oh, they got him from the Phillies for Kyle garlic. And then they lost him to the D backs in the rule five draft. You remember he threw a no-hitter for the D-backs in one of his first career starts. Uh, so he is a connection, but I don't think he'll be on the roster. And then you have Scott McGuff, who uh, a listener of ours, Ryan Shanahan, went to high school with Scott McGuff in Pittsburgh. And uh, McGuff never pitched for the Dodgers in the big leagues, but he came up. He was drafted by the Dodgers out of college in Oregon and played in the minor leagues until the Dodgers traded him to the Marlins in the Hanley Ramirez trade. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, the other guy the Dodgers traded in that trade is playing for the Rangers. That is Nathan Evaldi, who did pitch in the big leagues for the Dodgers uh, before they traded him with Scott McGuff for Hanley Ramirez and whoever else was in that trade. Um, the the Rangers have a handful of other players who have played in the big leagues for the Dodgers. Obviously, Corey Seager is the most notable. Uh, he is going for his second World Series title his second World Series MVP, hopefully. They have Brad Miller, who never played in the big leagues for the Dodgers, but was on their uh, spring training roster a few years back and looked like it had a chance of making the team. And then uh, when they decided he wasn't going to make the team, they released him. He ended up going to the, the Guardians or Indians or whoever it was back then, I think. Um, so Brad Miller was almost an old friend. They have uh, Josh Spores, who debuted with the Dodgers, and eventually, I think he was a Rule 5 pick, too, if I remember right. Um, went to the Rangers. No, it wouldn't be a Rule 5 pick because he was on the 40-man roster. Uh, but anyway, he went to the Rangers from the Dodgers and uh, has pitched pretty well for the for the Rangers this year. They have, uh, we said Evaldi, Max Scherzer, obviously, Andrew Heaney. Um, it might just be those guys, uh, but that's what five former Dodgers. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it's a, so there will be former Dodgers represented. Uh, if, if that gives you a reason to root for anybody, I know a lot of people will be rooting against the D backs because they beat the Dodgers. I know others who will be rooting for the D backs because it makes them feel a little bit better. If the team that beats the Dodgers win the world series, I don't know who I'll root for. I think the Rangers uh, just because my wife, went to high school in the Dallas area when she didn't grow up caring much about baseball. But when she did go to games, it was Rangers games because the stadium in Arlington was just, you know, half hour, 40 minutes from, from where she lived. Uh, she grew up closer to the Rangers than I did to the Dodgers. Uh, and I, I, I really like the, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex area. Um, not Arlington itself so much, but uh, the, the area, my wife went to high school in Plano. I like that area a lot. Plano and Frisco, uh, Denton, that area. Um, 
And, you know, I was rooting for the, the Rangers a lot in 2010, obviously, because they were playing the Giants in the World Series, rooting for them in 2011, just because my in-laws were still there in Texas at the time. And so they were pretending to be Rangers fans uh, and they never won it. And so and the Rangers have still never won a World Series. So a lot of reasons for me to root for them. So I think that's what I'm doing. Uh, Corey Seager, though, might be the main reason. Love us some Corey Seager. And so uh, but there are some Dodgers ties in there. And obviously, you know, Nathan Evaldi also has Dodger ties in the other way. He's the one who gave up the home run to Max, Max Muncy in the 18th inning of game three of the 2018 World Series. And they have, uh, you know, a handful of guys. Ian Kennedy pitched for them some this year. He's a Dodgers foe. Austin Hedges is a Dodgers foe. Handful of those guys. But for the most part, uh, yeah, former Dodgers, a lot of them to see in the World Series. And hopefully next year we can just watch a bunch of current Dodgers in the World Series. So uh, that's going to do it for me for today. I'm going to turn it over to Vince. He's going to finish this episode up. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll be feeling and sounding a little bit better tomorrow. Uh, but either way, we'll be here with you to record an episode uh, for tomorrow to finish out the week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being in every day. And Vince will be along in a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Are you ready for another pandemic? Hopefully not, but if you want to be ready in case it does happen, Jace Medical is here to help you out because they have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit to, that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You know, we never know what's going to happen and you always want to be prepared. And one of those preparedness beyond food, beyond water, beyond some of the other essentials out there is life-saving antibiotics and most people don't have that and jace medical is here to kind of change that to give you what you need in case of global global supply chain shortages uh if you're in california you know the big earthquake if you're in other parts of the country tornadoes and hurricanes and things of that nature hopefully all that doesn't happen but if it does you can be ready with jace case uh from jace medical so go check it out right now and it's easy all you got to do is go online sign up potentially me with the doctor real quick and boom you got your jace case coming to you in not that long a time and the best part is you can keep con cons consultations going with those doctors and uh you know make sure that everything is good so go to jacemedical.com right now and if you enter the code locked on you'll get a 20 dollars discount on your order that's promo code locked on at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com promo code locked on go get your jace case today Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers, or my part of Locked On Dodgers. You've already been here with Jeff, but now you're here with me. And I'm here to close out the episode. And, yeah, um, there's still not a lot of going on in Dodger world other than the Proton news that Jeff talked about. There's not even as many rumors as some people may think in terms of uh, what may happen once free agency does technically start uh, here in the next couple weeks after the World Series ends. But there is a lot of thoughts and speculation and uh, maybe not so much news, but more thoughts and speculation of uh, Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who are probably the two biggest free agents right now this coming offseason. Um, would have been the top two pitching free agents, but Otani can't pitch next year. I guess he still could technically be considered a pitching free agent, but... He's more of a hitting free agent that might pitch after uh, a year off. So 
see what happens there. But there there hasn't been much on the front of other than like I said, just thoughts, speculations, rumors. And when it comes to Otani and Yamamoto, I don't imagine there to be too much in the sense of exactly what they're thinking, exactly what they're doing. You know, uh, usually you don't get the sense that their agents are petitioning too much or, or trying to position themselves in a certain way. I you know, could be wrong and, and it could be the, not be the case. Uh, you know, if I was Otani's agent, I definitely would be putting out the Dodgers and Yankees and Mets and all those teams with, with big money, I definitely would be throwing out rumors that they're interested or, or, you know, something that can link Otani to them. Be like, Oh, he wants to play for winter. He wants to play on the East coast, wants to play on the West coast, whatever the case is. But for the most part, you know, take anything you see or read about Otani or Yamamoto with the grain of salt, unless it's coming directly from Otani or Yamamoto or their camps, agents, stuff like that. Um, but there are a couple notes about them that that you know we can definitely talk about. And you know, first off, one of them is the new manager in San Francisco, Bob Melvin. He has some connections to Japan and overseas in the sense of uh, he has strong ties. He's worked with Itro. He's worked with uh, Nomo in the past, Hassan Kim right now, you know, recently with Padres. He, he's been their manager. Uh, when he was with Oakland, they had the Japan series, I think, once or twice where they opened up in Japan. So to that extent, uh, you know, people might believe that he has some type of tie or, or extra oomph on their side. I don't know exactly how much that will play out because it's really going to come down to Farhan Zaidi and, and their ownership in terms of how much money they want to spend. But it, it, you know, obviously could link them to Otani and or Yamamoto. And definitely they have the money to spend. They tried to spend it last offseason, didn't quite work out. And, you know, it, it really appears that their ownership realizes that they're losing fans and, and you know, losing games, losing fans and really need an established star to kind of bring people back to uh, what is now called Oracle Park. So I, I would expect the Giants to definitely be players for each of those guys and definitely be competition for the Dodgers uh, just for the simple sense that they have the money and they are West Coast. And, you know, if there's any of those rumors out there that they want to be West Coast, uh, that, that kind of fits there. When it comes to Otani, we had... Recently, Joe Madden spoke about Otani and what he thinks. Again, I don't know if Joe Madden, uh, I don't think, I'm of the thought that nobody knows what Otani's thinking or has preference or anything like that, but people are going to keep talking about it. And, you know, people keep talking about it, we can mention it, but everything that we talk about Otani-wise, for me, has a caveat of if it's not from Otani or his agent directly, I take it with a grain of salt. But, oh, you know, Madden did say that he does believe that Otani wants to win, that it's not just lip service. He said he truly wants to win. I do believe that he's going to go to a team that in his mind's eye could be an annual contender, annually get him to the playoffs, annually give him that opportunity to pitch and hit on the largest stage. He also added that he believes that the West Coast thing might maybe was a thing when he first got here. Um, and, and things of like that, but he doesn't 
think that that's the case now. He says that he'll go anywhere from New York to Toronto to Seattle to San Diego. He'll go anywhere because I think he's been more Americanized in the sense that he's comfortable with a lot of different things. He knows how this works. And, you know, I do believe the that he he's not going to close himself off to any particular coast. I don't think he's going to close himself. I don't think he's going to do anything that closes him off from a team that could give him money. What we don't know and, and what we may not know until he actually signs is, you know, how important is the winning in comparison to the money? Because, you know, how much is that winning worth? Is it worth 50 mil? Is it worth 100 mil? Is it worth, you know, 25 mil? Is it, is it, if he has the same offer from a team like the Dodgers who are in the playoffs every year, but has, you know, 100 million more offer for, let's just throw the Royals out there for right now who, you know, weren't very good last year and, and probably won't be good for a while. Will that make a difference to him? Will that winning culture and, and being in the postseason make a difference? And how much is that difference? And, and we don't know, but obviously everything that's kind of been named in terms of what Otani could want, you know, West Coast wants to win, blah, blah, blah. It, it all, the money, it all lends itself to the Dodgers. And, you know, obviously you're going to want to lend yourself to the Dodgers if you're a free agent and, and you want other teams to kind of bid on your services. So I do think, and, you know, there's been reports out there. I think Bob Nightingale had a report the other day that he he reported that the Dodgers' first priority this offseason is shining, signing Shohei Otani. Um, he also mentioned both New York teams and the Padres as somebody that could link to him. And then he predicted that the Dodgers sign and or someone else predicted that, that Otani signed an eight-year deal with the Dodgers. So, you know, Otani is obviously going to be the big one. Um, and for me, obviously, it, it can go a few ways. Like, I don't know if the Dodgers it, – it's a matter of does it help the team or does it help the organization? And I think those are two different questions. Does Otani help the team? Obviously, on the offensive side, he would help the team. And then, you know, it would be determined after this first year if he can help the team on the pitching side. But let's just say he does command $40, $50 million a year. Does that – there's no salary cap. But does it prevent the Dodgers from spending like they could if they didn't have him? Like would his – would $40, 50000000 million a year – be better spent on Otani or on like two pitchers, like maybe Yamamoto and Blake Snell or on, you know, another hitter and another pitcher or something to, to that extent, if it is either or now for the Dodgers, it doesn't have to be either or, but they might have a, a payroll number in mind where it does become either or. And, and that's really what it comes down to is what the Dodgers are looking for. And, you know, does that matter if, if, I'm owners, Dodger ownership, and Shohei Otani is going to bring me an extra fifty to one hundred million dollars in revenue because of new Japanese sponsors. Uh, because of, you know, just the Dodgers already have really good fan, you know, fans coming to the game. But if Otani's here, like that brings another, you know, demographic in bulk to Dodger Stadium. You know, do they care? And do they say, you know what? We don't care so much about if it matches with the team. Uh, you know, if I'm Dodger ownership, I say go get Otani because we want that extra revenue and that'll pay for his salary in a sense, as well as beyond that. And, you know, that might be something that happens. Uh, and, you know, the Dodgers could benefit that way too. So we there's not a lot to 
helm from this. You know, I think Jeff Pisano at one point had said that the Dodgers are one of the, you know, or, or one of their priorities will be to sign Otani. So we keep seeing that. But again, I take it all with a grain of salt. It's because we don't really know. But I do expect that the Giants will be con- in contention. And I do believe that the Mets will be in contention. And then any other team will probably can jump in. But I do think that, you know, the teams with deeper pockets in the sense of they've spent before and they have owners willing to spend. I definitely think those two teams are, are over to look out for and, and we'll see what happens. But in the sense of Yamamoto, you know, the Dodgers have kind of been mentioned with him too. Dodgers, Giants, Yankees um, were mentioned as three teams that are interested in signing him. Uh, the Mets have been named one of those teams interested in signing with him. Uh, supposedly Kodai Senga, one of the reports is that Kodai Senga, who's on the Mets now, is trying to recruit him. Um, and then one of the reports on Yamamoto is that he covets the opportunity to play in a large market. So obviously Los Angeles, a large market, and it's just a matter of if the Dodgers are going to invest in, in that sense. And I, it's one of those where I think they should really consider looking into this investment because in the end, I don't think he'll get over 200 mil. And if you can get a, you know, a guy that can be your number one or two pitcher for hundred mil, 130 mil, even, I do think that's something you really have to consider. And I do think that's, you know, he's a guy that, that after seeing the success of Senga and, you know, even in the past, Pitches out of Kabor from Japan, while they don't always work out, even some of the ones that weren't as heralded or don't didn't have the stuff that Yamamoto had. Like Yamamoto has nasty stuff, you know, has the velocity, has everything else. Even players like, you know, we've seen Hiroki Kuroda do well over here. We've seen, you know, guys like that, uh, or Saito as, as, as a reliever. You know, we've seen guys have success here, and it doesn't necessarily always have to be because of velocity. So, I think the Dodgers will for sure be in on Otani and Yamamoto to the extent I don't know and who they will be competing against. I don't know, but I do think that's two guys that they'll be after this offseason. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen. We put out a call for questions yesterday. We got some. We should be answering some of those this week uh, on tomorrow's episode and continue to bring the questions, comments, and topics throughout the offseason as we're here every weekday morning for you, wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube. Remember, you can find us also on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince since 91. You can DM us on either of those accounts to get a hold of us. You can also send voicemail or text to 863-323-863 Lock. Or you can send us an email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be here with us. When you're in your car, if you're at home, text my device play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. Have a good one.